This is Small Biz Florida, the podcast designed and produced specifically for Florida small business owners and entrepreneurs. Small Biz Florida, talk that works for Florida. This podcast is supported by the Florida SBDC Network, providing the tools, strategies, and expertise to help Florida's business community thrive. Visit the Florida SBDC online at www.floridasbdc.org or contact your local office and get started on your path to success today. This is Small Biz Florida, the podcast and broadcast. It's all things business across the state of Florida. And if you've been tuning in lately, you know we're coming to you from the Flagle Conference in Orlando, Florida. Flagle is the Florida Association of Government Guaranteed Lenders, and it is all about getting capital in the hands of small business owners and operators here at Flagle. Um, we've got an incredible guest with us right now. We've got Kit Welchland, who was the keynote speaker here at the Flagle Conference. Uh, Kit is an award-winning motivational speaker and uh, seminar leader who provides a lot of fun and informative presentations. Uh, Kit, welcome to uh, Small Biz Florida. Thank you, Tom. Great to be here on your podcast. Thank you. I'm looking forward to the motivation. I need it, Kit. It's been a long day. We all need it. It's a daily battle. (laughs) That's right. You're right. It is a daily battle. So here at Flagle, you presented on learn how to become a quick change artist and easily implement new ideas and proven methods and techniques. So I'm looking forward to hearing about that. But as always, uh, Kit, Start us with a little bit of your background and kind of your pathway uh, to the keynote position here at Flagle. Sure, I'd love to. I grew up on a hog and dairy farm in southern Minnesota. Uh, Well, stop you right there. What kind of tractors did you run? Red. International Uh, Harvester. I was a Ford dealer. Go ahead. We did have one Oliver for a short period of time. Uh, (laughs) Otherwise, the big tractor was a 1066. Nice. Okay. And everything I have in my garage is red. My Uh, air compressor is red. My lawnmower is red. My golf cart is red. I still bleed red. It's a a good product, so you're good. You, You do realize Ford and... International Harvester kind of merged one day, so they're... Oh, sure, in case now. That's that's right, we're all kissing cousins. But anyway, go ahead. So you grew up on a hog farm. Yep, grew up on a hog and dairy farm. And if you grew up on a dairy farm, you know the cows need to be milked and fed, you know, twice a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. So grew up working hard and spent a lot of time grinding feed and hauling manure. It's a vicious cycle on a dairy farm. And then I went to school, studied business, speech, and political science, and I... uh, and then when I was, uh, in, during my junior year in college, a little manufacturing company in my hometown came up for sale because the gentleman that had started the company in 1972 had already suffered a massive heart attack by 1983. And I guess I was kind of a known commodity that I was a hardworking young man and willing to take on some risk and willing to take on a challenge. So nice. ended up negotiating buying that company when I was 21. So I was wow. the youngest employee, had no technical expertise. I was the chief executive officer and $450,000 in debt, but wow. uh, worked real hard. Things turned out fine. The business grew to three companies in three states. And the speaking business was something that I didn't see coming, but I used to take my staff to Dale Carnegie and Skillpath and Career Track, the public seminar companies. And sometimes there might be something I'd been saying on the inside for several months, not gaining much traction. And then the outsider at one of those professional seminar companies would say something, if not the very same thing, but very similar to what I'd been saying and my staff would say, sounds like something we should do. So one day it dawned on me that maybe I could have as much impact or more impact as an outsider than an insider. So 
I left those companies back in 1989, went back to school, finished my undergraduate degree, picked up a master's degree, and then started speaking for a living in 1991. Nice. Love it. But my roots in starting the speaking business are very similar to where your small business development centers are with the colleges and technical colleges, community colleges. So I knew I needed exposure. I needed to create a critical mass because I was an outsider from the Twin Cities area. I did not have a company in the Twin Cities. It was two and a half hours away from the Twin Cities and the other two states were farther away. So I formed a relationship with most of the community and technical colleges in their customized training, continuing education departments that I would offer a public seminar, we'd split the fee, whatever we could take at the door. So they'd always make money, I'd make a little bit of money. And the Minnesota, tech, uh, Minnesota State Colleges and Universities have quite a few campuses. So I tried to have something every quarter back then, a public seminar with my picture and a description. And back then they used to send out catalogs, maybe 30 or 40,000 for the surrounding area to attract people to either get credit courses or non-credit professional development. And I estimated, that since I would do that every quarter for those three quarters, approximately a million pieces of marketing material were going out on an annual basis with my picture and description of the seminars that I offered. So I did that for four years. And it was a wonderful relationship. And any time any of those colleges or the Minnesota State Colleges and University call me, contact me, ask me if I'd be willing to come back and deliver a presentation, I always say yes. The fee is secondary. They built my business. They created this wonderful career I've enjoyed. I guess I have to ask, where do you live now? Where are you based out of? I moved to Florida in January. Nice. Yeah, we love it here. Okay, nice. So talk to us about this a quick change artist. Um, and why, why quick change? Do you, are you kind of relating that to today's marketplace where you've got to be nimble, flexible, you've got to react? Is that what that's all about? Yeah, this was a topic that uh, I first had to research and create a program back in 1997. And it really came from a school district that I had provided a staff development day for kicking off the school year. And what was going on in that particular school district is industry was very frustrated that people that were graduating from high school couldn't fill out a job application, let alone do simple math and couldn't write in complete sentences or paragraph form. And so they had a kind of a very straightforward conversation with the school district. If we're paying millions of dollars in property taxes, we sure would like a better product coming out of the schools. So there was a group of consultants that I was part of that created a curriculum for parents, for teachers, for students, and industry to work cooperatively to find out what the weak points were and to make those corrections. And that was all based upon change. We called it uh, surviving or thriving radical change. And ever since then, I've kept an eye on how quickly life has accelerated personally and professionally. Came across a study that claims in the last 100 years, the accelerated pace of change is 50 times faster than it was before. And I think back the first time I started delivering presentations across the country for rural electric associations, I called my dad and I said, Dad, I remember when you bought that farm when I was in third grade and I had to go from country school to town school that we put in a new transformer, we put electricity on the farm. Did that farm have electricity? He goes, yeah, the Eikhoffs didn't milk as many cows as we milked, so we needed more electricity. But then he goes like this, but Pa, when did Pa get electricity on the farm? And he starts recounting when he was a kid, and then when he right. went to World War II, and then when he came back, he went to college for two years, then he was rent renting land from Mittendorf. He goes, I think Pa got electricity in 1949. And then it hit me, my dad went through country school, high school, World War II, 
two years at the University of Minnesota, was farming on his own by lantern and candlelight. My dad. And then ever since then, I just realized whether it's, you know, a new administration, a new policy, a new technology, a, a new customer or consumer demand, we got to be agile. we got to be nimble. we got to make some adjustments quickly. Otherwise, we're out of business. We'll be obsolete quickly. And so in my entire business model has been something my mentor told me in the speaking business. If your customer asks you, if you speak on something, they're in, they trust you. And if you're interested in that topic, say you will do the research and build the program and we'll deliver it. And so that's what I've done ever since. Now I have a couple of thousand pages of handouts and I have a ton of information and I'm trying now towards the end of my career, really fine tune it to the most valuable information delivered in the most clear and concise way that I possibly can. When you talk about quick change artists, are you, is that tied to the, what I like to call uh, when I speak to and consult with certain businesses, uh, um, you know, through our, through our process at the SBDC, I talk about the ability to reinvent oneself, you know, and because I had to do it. And then you and I, we, we talked about the tractor business. I was in the, I was in the tractor business and uh, for the first 50 years of the 70 year history of that tractor business, we sold, we had one customer, you know, citrus people. Sure. And when I got involved, of course, um, Citrus began a, a slow, steady dec decline. So I tell people all the time, I had to reinvent that business about every two years. You know, we had to pick up new lines. We had to, uh, you know, go after a new market, government contracting. Uh, so uh, is, is that what you mean by quick change? Kind of the ability to reinvent a business, look at new revenue streams. Is that is that what you're kind of leaning towards? Yes. And I approach it on two different levels. One is personally, how are you going to adjust to that change so you can personally get through it in one piece, but also how do you create a supportive communication climate, but also mechanically put in the right processes and steps so you can get the organization through it in one piece too. So there are always some continuities that continue. You have a personal brand, your company has a brand. Some of that needs to continue so you don't lose customers that are so faithful and loyal that gave you the opportunity you have today. But you also have to carry a little bit of that forward so when people start to feel uncomfortable or feel lost, they can go back to that foundation of some things that simply did not change. So personally, even though we went through COVID for a couple of years and things kind of got turned upside down, we still had interests, we still had hobbies, we still had valuable relationships. We had to approach them differently Maybe you couldn't go to a gym, but you could go for a walk in the neighborhood and talk to neighbors across the street. You may not have been able to meet in person, like events and conferences like this one, but we could still meet virtually. So we just had to be different. And it wasn't necessarily working hard or just working differently. And I think that's part of the change that we have to be aware of. Personally, even the changes we want are difficult. And telling people it's easy, it's not true. It's, it's difficult. Even the changes we want can be a struggle. And then we just got to make sure that we give people the kind of the, I would call it guide of how we're going to get through it. So I always call it the four Ps, the purpose for the change. There's got to be a good reason why. Status quo isn't cutting it. The numbers aren't right. The ratios are wrong. And then the plan, this will take a week. This will take a month. This will take three months. So it seems pretty well thought out. And then the picture, what will this look like? And sometimes we have to choreograph it. Sometimes we have to go somewhere where people are currently doing it. Maybe a vendor or supplier or somebody that's a, in the chamber of commerce. It's really not a competitor, but maybe in a similar industry can show us 
So, because people kind of have to see it to believe it. And then the last is, the last P is the part people will play. The part that you hope that person will play, the part you're going to play. But sometimes I've been with large organizations that are downsizing, right-sizing, ostracizing. And the first thing people look at is the organizational chart to see if their name is still on it. Well, you already blew it because people should have known long in advance what their part was or the role they're going to play and how integral and critical and important that was. And saving that to last, all that does is create anxiety. So talking soothes the anxiety, not talking stirs trouble. So I, I like that. I, I took some notes here. Okay. Uh, Kit. Purpose. Yes. You've got to explain to your team, why are we doing this? Uh, and I like what you said, status quo isn't working. Uh, numbers aren't right. Uh, I love that. And, and that's, uh, that, that links to one of my favorite concepts in business is, is candidness. You have to be candid with people. So anyway, purpose, uh, develop the plan, how we're going to get there. Uh, picture what this is going to look like. When, it, when it's over? Is that what you said? Yep, in that process and when it's over. So they know okay. it when they made it. Yep. Yep. And then what part uh, People are they will play. play? Yep. I love that. Yeah. So, that, so, so if, again, so I've got all the answers now, Kit. That's how to quickly, that's how to be a quick change artist. I love it. <laughs> if you can flesh that out, you know, people will have the confidence that you're going to head in the right direction and it's meaningful work and you're not going to let them down. You're not going to, you know, nothing wastes employee energy and excitement as trying to figure out what's gonna please the boss. But if we can be open and share, picture the plan, the purpose, and the part people will play, I, th I think people will follow you through fire. I, I love it. That, that um, I, and I like that too as a, as a business book because it would be short and simple and I could understand that one. Um, what do you think about the marketplace? You're obviously out there, you're, you're giving uh, presentations, you're talking to very smart, savvy, uh, folks who have incredible uh, business acumen. Uh, before we went on the air, there was a young lady engaging you, obviously uh, had questions for you. What What do you think is going on in the marketplace? I mean, what we got all the trouble with the workforce and um, we got the, you know, the new, you know, the whole new topic of the quiet quitters. We've got the, um, you know, we've got the great resignation. What What is your take on all that's going on uh, in the marketplace today and kind of in the small business arena? What I find so surprising is it seems like it's in every industry that I am working in. On Monday, I was in St. Louis. And I was working with a technology company that provides the software to ag retailers and agriculture cooperatives. And they had the tech people and the agricultural leaders in the same room and dealing with the same issue. Uh, the next day I was in Milwaukee working with Precision Metal Forming Association and they're dealing with the same issue <laughs> today I'm here and, uh, at this conference and uh, it's brought up it's the same issue. And I think one of the things that has happened is that there was such a push and I taught in the Minnesota State Colleges and Universities one night class a semester when and it was quarters when I first started teaching but per, sem per semester because I I realized I needed to understand those future generations today so I could lead them or guide them or participate fully with them later. And they're probably going to be my future clients because the people that used to hire me in the 90s, they were retiring or dying. And I needed to make sure that I knew how to connect with and understood. So I, in my night classes, I would always include every chapter of the book. They had to handwrite a one-page reaction paper 
What did you agree with? What did you disagree with? What would you do in the future? What would you never do? Uh, what, if you could go back in time, what would you do differently based upon this chapter that we read in the book? And I would get a few hundred of those reaction papers every year. And it gave me great insight into uh, how that younger generation was thinking and feeling. And I think part of it is there's four things that everybody wants. To, if you have a job, you want to get it done, whatever it is. You know, it has to be shipped on Friday or you have to make sure that you provide that information so you can have a closing. If it's a real estate transaction or a business closing, we need the loan docs. So everybody wants to get it done. Now, some people focus on getting it done right. Every I dotted, every T crossed, which can be, you know, create some friction because you might have some people in production saying, just get it done. And then you might have some people in quality control saying it has to be perfect. And so some people just want to ship it, but some people want to make sure it's exactly right. And I think the next two, there's been too much focus. Part of it is getting along. And of course, we'd like to get along because we spend more time with the people we work with than the people we live with. I don't count sleeping time as quality time with my family. So for five days of the week, or depending if we're in retail, seven days a week, we spend more of our conscious time with our coworkers than we do with the people we love and care about, our family and friends. So I think the getting along thing has become exaggerated and people have grown a real thin skin where they are so easily offended and it's hard to be lighthearted and have fun. You have to be so careful about what you say that I don't think we get the depth in the relationships like we used to, where people are more freewheeling, you appreciated that they took the risk you enjoyed each other's company. Now it just seems like everybody is just a little bit more uh, careful about what they say. And you really don't have that same depth of understanding each other because uh, they're always kind of hedging the remarks not to offend somebody. So I think the getting along thing is out of balance. We should be warm and friendly, no question about that. We should express our intentions and motives and follow through. We should be trustworthy, I agree, and all those soft skills. But we also need to know our stuff. We need to develop relevant expertise, and we need to bring energy to the workplace. So the last one is people want to get appreciation. I think that's blown out of proportion now, too. It used to be the oldest generation. They didn't need an award. They didn't need a plaque. It, it was a job well done. They could pack themselves on the back. They worked hard. They earned it. They started at the warehouse. They worked their way to the front house or the... I used to say the outhouse, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they started, you know, on the job training. I mean, you started. And I think when I grew up, everybody was poor. I don't think you're, you know, and everybody, yeah. you know, so uh, they started at the warehouse and they worked their way to the front office and they, and, and there was, and they worked for the same company where, and, and felt committed to it, felt the cohesiveness. You can't build cohesiveness in an organization just through emails and text messages. You got to be together. So I think this, you know, virtual meetings where people don't have the camera on or they don't come into the office. I think they really are missing out on that connection and cohesiveness and that ability to build that trust and know just looking across the room what your coworker is thinking. Right. And I think that, is, so I think the appreciation thing has gotten out of balance where, so this is what I tell people now when I, an issue like this, I call it the magic pixie dust. In every phone call, every email, every conversation, I want you to consciously think, what did I say that they know this is gonna get done? What did I say that they knew it needed to get done right or it would be? What did I say that told them that we get along? I enjoyed talking with you, enjoyed working with you. Hey, that was a lot of fun. Hey, that wasn't so bad. You know, so the relationship is still intact. And the appreciation, you know, I appreciate your honesty. I appreciate your energy. I'm, I, you know, I'm, I appreciate that you brought that up. And I think we have to put that in balance again. So I call it the magic pixie dust. Somewhere we got to say, got to get done, got it done right. We're going to, we get along and I appreciate you. But I think it's out of proportion now. I think it's too much of the get along. And I think it's too much of the uh, appreciation. 
And we still need to get things done and they yeah. need to be done right. But if you're too much focused on that in today's world, I think bringing it back into balance, then you seem like you're cold hearted. Right. You don't care and you're harsh. Right. No, you know, that's, if there's no money, there's no mission. <laughs> if we don't do the work, we're not going to have the budget. I mean, yeah. if we need to really focus more on those first two and get it back in balance. I, I tell folks a story all the time. I, I worked with a, you can imagine I was in the equipment business. So we had a lot of dairies uh, in our marketplace. Oh, sure. I was, so I was in a dairy office one day and uh, there was a sign up on the wall and it said, an, an unprofitable business is an unsafe place to work. Oh, and I, uh, I've good. always remembered that because it, so true. And, and employees need to understand that, uh, you know, that the success of the company is their success. So a little bit to that, your oh, point, yeah, yeah, you know. you, we got to get the work done. Um, and I don't think employees recognize or understand that businesses really run on a thin margin across the board. Oh, yeah. It's somewhere around 5% net profit. Yeah. So 95% of it is expense. Right. So we, we can't really lollygag. We can't really drag our feet. We can't, right. you know, otherwise not only will that person you know, be out of a job, but right. everybody else will be too. Right. Uh, Kit, listen, I'm impressed. Uh, I've learned an awful lot here in, uh, in 20 minutes, 41 seconds. I've, uh, that's incredible. Well, Tom, you're a great interviewer. It makes it a lot easier <laughs> for the interviewee. No, no, no. Listen, I love this. I'm listen. Um, is this any of this uh, copyrighted? Cause I intend on stealing all of it. Uh, um, <laughs> Listen, I love, I love, I do a little adjunct uh, teaching. I love the uh, the one page reaction paper. I, my students are not going to like you for that, but I'm I'm going to implement that idea. I like that, you know, getting that reaction from every, and then all look at all that data that you've collected and all that insight from young people, the millennials and uh, uh, the Gen Xs and Gen Zs and and the one thing that I think was the benefit that I didn't expect, the unintentional benefit was they were prepared for class discussion because they had to thoughtfully think about it to fill up a page on every line. <laughs> and some people don't write in cursive anymore. Right. But they, and I said, I don't care if you do it you know, at your keyboard, but you end up handwriting it because I told them probably the most valuable letters you'll ever write or messages will be handwritten. And I love this. Um, I really do like that, that you said that your magic uh, pixie dust, that every engagement really needs to contain those three elements. I, I think that's brilliant. Um, you know, somehow let them know that this has to get done and, and needs to be done correctly. Um, and then always let them know that you appreciate the relationship. Uh, you know, hey, uh, nice talking to you. Um, and then finally show some appreciation. Uh, you know, hey, thanks for the effort. Uh, you did a great job on that project. And and uh, I like that. It, that, that, that's meaningful. So Tom, in a speech or seminar, I will tell people, for instance, today, Jennifer was my key contact. At the end, I tell Jennifer, we started on time, we ended on time, and I think it went pretty well. It was a joy working with you, and thank you for inviting me. Yeah. Now, if you time that, it only takes six seconds. If you had 50 <laughs> phone calls in a day, right. that's only 300 seconds. That's five minutes out of the day that you can sprinkle the magic pixie dust. We got it done. We got it done right. We got along, and I appreciate you. But if you don't do that, then all of a sudden, people start to become controlling or demanding or approval-seeking perfectionistic. I mean, it, it exaggerates if we leave anything of that, any of those four out. Yeah. No, I love it. 
Listen, that is good stuff. Uh, Kit, we are, is there a way we can follow you or Instagram, TikTok? Huh? Where are you uh, out there in the world? Currently, it's pretty easy to find me, but I really look forward to the day I disappear in Florida. <laughs> there, <laughs> but, yeah. there are some places you can do that still in Florida. Yeah. yeah, I have a couple of YouTube channels that people find valuable. There's a YouTube channel that's just in my name, Kit Welchlin. There's about 250 videos on there. And it's a lighthearted approach to real serious content where I, it's a six camera shoot where I have a struggling image of me. And then he's struggling with something. I try to help him in a couple of minutes. Sometimes he gets it, sometimes he doesn't, but that's part of the fun. So that's under Kit Welchland YouTube. The other YouTube channel is called Seminars on Stress, which is the other branch of my business. And there's about 70 videos on that too. So some of my clients will use that to kick off a weekly management meeting. If they're struggling, let's say on change, there's a 12 episode conversation. They can just pick the ones they need. And they're absolutely free. And uh, I want people to use them. That's why I spent all that time and money and a videographer to create them. It isn't something I want to keep away from people. I want people to access it, use it, and benefit from it. Nice. All right. It is Kit Welchland. Uh, he was the keynote speaker uh, here at Flagle. Uh, how, long, how much long are you going to be here at the conference? Are you leaving today? or? <laughs> I'm leaving today, but I just live up the road. And tomorrow okay. morning, I catch an early flight and head to a charity golf event in the upper Midwest. Nice. Okay. Well, safe travels to that. Uh, Kit. Kit is an award-winning uh, motivational keynote speaker and seminar leader. Uh, and he brought his, um, he brought his wisdom uh, to the Flagle Conference here today. Uh, and you can, you can just keep replaying this segment of the podcast, and you can get those, uh, those words of wisdom from Kit. Uh, listen, sir, it's been a pleasure and uh, it really uh, a fun segment here. Thank you, Tom. It's nice working with you. Absolutely. Uh, this is Small Biz Florida, and you know we're coming to you from the Flagle Conference here in Orlando. That's the Florida Association of Government Guaranteed Lenders. I am Tom Kindred, and uh, listen, uh, stay close because there's more to come from the Flagle Conference. This is Small Biz Florida. This has been Small Biz Florida, created and produced by the Florida Small Business Development Center at Indian River State College. Your host for Small Biz Florida is Tom Kindred. Partners for Small Biz Florida include WPSL and WSTU and Indian River State College, named the 2019 winner of the Aspen Prize for Community College Excellence.